Hey, really good friends. This episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take care of yourself. Hello. And welcome to Historically Really Good Friends, a queer history podcast. I am Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Fembleau. And welcome. welcome to our podcast. Our, <laughs> what an introduction. Our virtual least... <laughs> home. W- won't you come in? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you and then come over and hang sure. out? Sure. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? You're saying Mr. Rogers. I am. I thought that's what we were doing. I thought that's the bit that we were doing. I guess no. not. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the bit that I was doing, but... You were just saying words. I you were just... doing a bit. Nope, just saying words to fill the, the space. <laughs> did you I... Did you watch Mr. Rogers? As a kid, yes. And I watched the multiple documentaries that came out a few years. Documentaries slash like... Biopic. Like... Yeah, that came out and cried. Grown mm-hmm. adult cried in the movie theater. Um, I mm-hmm. also watched with my baby cousins Daniel Tiger, which is like some kind of Mr. Rogers spinoff. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it, I've I've seen none of any Mr. I don't think I've ever seen really? any Mr. Rogers anything. Oh, it's I like really know about great. him, but I don't. I've never consumed. It's oh, you've never consumed him. No. Uh, <laughs> I no. It it is really. It's really wonderful. I think he, like, just as a person on and off camera was really great. It's just very calming. Like, very much Kid Bob Ross, I would say, is a good... Kid Bob Ross. Okay, yes. Like, like Bob Ross, but for, for kids. kids. Yes. Um, is very much what I would say. And not like, you know, today when if you have the pleasure of ever watching children's shows, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Like, Baby Shark has a full-length feature film now. Mm-hmm. So... It was it was manageable enough for an adult to watch. I would say. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's about Mister Rogers. <laughs> and that's that's Mr. our Rogers. That's for our you. new segment about Mister Rogers. Thank you all for listening. We hope you liked it. Yeah, we were just just really trying new things. We just wanted yeah. to see. Tell us if it worked. Did you? Were you <laughs> yeah. interested in that? Give How us your that... feedback, please. Yeah. <laughs> on Only me. on that. Yeah, yeah, just sort of butchering <laughs> what Mr. Rogers and his spinoffs are about. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Besides um, Mr. Rogers, how are you? I am all right. I got my flu shot and my COVID bivalent booster wow. yesterday. So Iconic. I am, my arms, like, it's really hard to lift them above, mm-hmm. like, Whatever angle this is, ninety degrees, I guess. Oh, um, not even. That was a solid thirty, maybe. Okay, I don't it think really you were at hurts. 90. Yeah. And yesterday I slept most of the day, but oh, can't complain. This is a friendly reminder: if a doctor has recommended you get a vaccine, go for it. Go do that up. Yeah. I'm also not super excited because I'm not weird about shots or needles or whatever but i have to get a multitude of vaccines because i'm going to india at the end of this year and they just do them straight shot one straight Mm -hmm. shot you just get all Mm -hmm. of them Mm -hmm. and i don't know how my body is gonna react (laughs) to that i'm a little nervous you're gonna have to definitely take the next day or two just just to recover good because i had plans that afternoon so i'm really glad to hear that that's (laughs) well i would say it's I mean, listen, I've never gotten a bunch of shots to go to India. I can't speak <laughs> okay. firsthand experience, okay. but I'm just, 
I, I can only imagine that it'll be similar to the flu shot where it's like you get it and then it doesn't kick in until the next day. Okay. So I feel like if you get your shot and then go do something, you should be fine. But then once that activity is it's wrapped done. up and completed, get yourself in bed. Okay. Get some Gatorade, some Pedialyte. Some Pedialyte. Okay. Yeah, get yourself just nourishment and just hunker down. Okay. So what I'm also hearing is at this, it's a Friendsgiving event. So what I'm hearing is I should get really drunk there because I'm going to feel hungover anyway. And then mm. just lay in bed Mm-mm. with Pedialyte for just all of the ailments. <laughs> well, well, tell me. Yeah. How does alcohol mix with vaccines? I feel like you're me? not supposed you're t- to. You want me to tell you? I don't know what a well, vaccine would assume... does regularly. Okay. I'm just like, sure, you can give them to me. I mean... Yeah, put it into my body. If you're telling me I need it, I'm fine. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe do a little Googling of that. Maybe look that up. Because it feels like you shouldn't drink... Because, because uh, well, well, because I guess your body question, is the, well. Listen, okay, because your immune system, your immune system is fighting basically everything that's put into your body. So you don't want to weaken your immune system by drinking. But it's strengthening my immune system. Eventually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. building up a ton. Well, I guess that's the thing, right? Because like some vaccines are like live v- viruses, mm-hmm. and other ones are dead viruses (laughs) i don't know but i have to get like a typhoid yeah i don't know so if Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be like briefly having a small dose of typhoid in my body maybe i like shouldn't (laughs) drink i don't know i would say no i don't know what typhoid even is so maybe isn't that with shit (gasps) no is it yeah yeah it's like a disease that comes from like your own oh but it doesn't it doesn't make you um does it make no it doesn't no 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 it's like comes from like oh like typhoid mary with with fecal yes okay yes typhoid mary if i remember correctly was like an irish like maid chef woman and like wouldn't wash her hands and she was like i don't need to wash my hands and so she would like go to the bathroom and obviously it wasn't hygienic back when she was alive and so like she would just like go to the bathroom and then not wash her hands and then like cook with her hands and then like feed it to people and then she spread typhoid i think that's potentially the origin stories but totally could be wrong okay correct us in the comments Uh below and and that was our second (laughs) feature the (laughs) medical typhoid mary (laughs) okay but i have a question for you about that because based on that assessment you know i feel like there could be fecal matter just like floating around in the things that we use daily i don't know listen no but listen because i have a question because i feel Mm -hmm. like everybody does it so if you're being judgmental right now shut up because you do it too you take your phone in the bathroom when you go poop (laughs) sure but then what do you think is all over your phone when you flush the toilet it's just mm-hmm. well do you poop, keep poop, the toilet seat up well it goes down as you flush it but like there's still what no you close it and then flush so that oh anything no i that's don't do that go- oh rachel so so i am typhoid mary <laughs> yeah you're next typhoid uh, rachel damn it mary <laughs> look at what you've done it's my irish heritage <laughs> uh-huh it's coming back to bite you just in the fecal ass, matter literally. in the, in yeah. the air <laughs> So what I would recommend is closing the toilet seat before you flush, but then also- But I have to double check. 
okay, no, you don't. And then go ahead and take a Clorox wipe every now and then and just wipe that phone down. I do. Well, my boyfriend asked me to because I think he knows that my phone needs to be cleaned. Yeah, Um, that's your boyfriend being like, you're disgusting. Yeah, Yeah, he's really had to make some adjustments to live with me and comfortable. Okay. But at least you can admit that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a creature. Yeah, totally. Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's it. Oh, what a great book. Mm-hmm. Is that a book? I thought that was a movie. No, isn't I'm it a kids' book like Scholastic Book Fair? The oh, my teacher from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, I think that's what it is. A creature from Black Lagoon is a, is a movie. Halloween's over. We're we're done. We're I past didn't, Halloween I at didn't this point. Know. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> enough with Halloween. Okay, we're done. No more talking. No, I'm we're just done. kidding. Halloween lasts through Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, Jared, how are you doing? I had a few other things I was willing to rant about, but I never really well, ask you how are you doing. I feel like this is not my episode. This It doesn't really matter about me. Today is all about you. Every I want to hear about that little creature, speaking about creatures, oh, that's yes. in your background. Okay, so I don't know if everyone can see him, but... Well, nobody can see him because this is a podcast. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. I can see myself, so uh-huh, I, I just see. assume. So there, we rescued a little kitten well he's eight months old i don't know if that counts as a kitten he does not have a name yet so if anyone has name suggestions we'd love to hear them he doesn't have a name yet because we don't want to get too attached in the event that he's someone's or that he doesn't get along with our original cat nora but we rescued him he was all alone and it's getting quite cold Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. so we rescued him and he is just a little crazy guy right now. So if you hear any cat noises, uh, we're trying our best here, but sometimes he's just going to jump up on the desk and <laughs> I'm really sorry. Typically it's not like that. Well, sometimes it is, mm. but we're doing our best. <laughs> we're doing our best. So if you hear something and you don't love it, you uh-huh. didn't and you do you love forgot it. about it. Yeah, just move on. Mm-hmm. So can you explain what he looks like and then also explain a little bit about his personality? Sure. So he's a tuxedo cat. He is not, um, he doesn't have a little round belly. He's pretty skinny because he wasn't being fed, but he's very long. He so, um, yeah, he's quite a long guy. He has his little boots or socks that are white and his chest is white. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of him is black. He's very, he's very cute. He has a tiny little face and very pink little lips. Mm. Yeah, he's really cute. His temperament is just escape artist right now. He is giving oh, me, good. yeah, he's giving me the most Ajita, which <laughs> I guess does everyone, <laughs> oh, whatever. He's Chest stressing pains. me out. <laughs> yeah, he's giving me anxiety. He's giving me old woman anxiety. Hysteria. Where, yeah, truly, tr- my uterus is wandering, <laughs> is just wandering, wandering. around my body. That's what hysteria, they used to say hysteria was. Oh, okay. Um, no, no. Anyway, anyway, that's a whole different history lesson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he acts like a kitten. He's very energetic. He's very sweet and cuddly, but he doesn't like being in one place at one mm-hmm. time. So I'm glad you have him for the time being, at least. I mean, yes. hopefully no one claims him. Hopefully him and Nora get along. Yes. I mean, that's my hope and wish for you guys. Thank you. But he seems great. Yeah, he seems like just like a, a, a cute little a cute little guy, cute little boy. He is a cute little boy. And genuinely, I know we ask for a lot on this podcast. Aside mm-hmm. from subscribing and recommending to your friends, and if rating. you have yes, and rating, leaving your comments, mm-hmm. sending us your stories. All of that. <laughs> if you have 
advice on adjusting two cats into a home, please let us know. Because like I said, we are in the process of assimilating two cat friends together. And so Mm -hmm. I would love feedback to get my Ajita to go away. (laughs) (laughs) But that being said. Yeah, I wanted to give everyone the heads up before we got into our story. So are you ready, Jared? Yeah, I've never been more ready. Okay, I'm so excited. So the first thing I'm going to say, (laughs) again, I'm prefacing. So before I tell you the name, I looked up how to pronounce this for some time because the way I learned it. Now, listen, listen, it's going to be fun. I'm listening. Is not how the pronunciation is. And it's because it's the people who founded it are from Mm -hmm. New England, Massachusetts, but it was named after a river in South Carolina, which we get into. So the pronunciation changes. So if you have a Southern accent, Mm. I realize that's why the pronunciation is different. If you have a Southern accent, the thing I'm going to be talking to you about is the Cumbahee River Collective or the Cumbie River Collective. Oh, okay. I see. You don't have a southern accent like myself. It's the Combahee River Collective. Mm-hmm. So they lose okay. the A in there. So the, the pronunciation is just slightly different. So I, because I don't have a southern accent and it just kind of sounds a little funky when I say it, I'm just going to say Combahee River Collective. But I wanted to give that preference that if you hear it, because it's based in South Carolina, it's Combahee. Mm-hmm. Oh, com, com, Combahee. Come, come, he. Okay, you don't I don't know. Trying to be so southern. Much. <laughs> I'm so, that's what I mean. That's what feels weird about it. Okay, okay so we're talking about the Combahee River Collective today. And I'm very Great. excited. The sources that I use for that include the Combahee River Collective statement Until Black Women Are Free, None of Us Will Be Free, a New Yorker article by Kianga Yamata Taylor. Black History Boston, the Combahee River Collective, published by the City of Boston. An Oral History of the Combahee River Collective by Marion Jones for The Nation. And then the Global Social Theories page for the Combahee River Collective. All right. So I wore these. You can't see me, but I wore these glasses for a reason because I wanted to put on my Jessica Day meets theater teacher and women and gender studies professor outfit. Nailing it. Thank you. You're welcome. To learn with you all about the Combahee River Collective. So I need you to decide right now if you're invested in my class or if you're just trying to fulfill your elective. What are you doing, Jared? No, I'm enrolled. I am you're enrolled. front row. I am okay. ready. This, okay, I, good. I, my life depends on this course. Okay, good. So let's jump right in. Okay. With that being said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because the stakes are high. Let's it's jump so in. high. Okay. <laughs> So the Combahee River Collective is best summed up as a Black, feminist, lesbian, and socialist organization. Now, if you haven't heard of the collective as a whole, maybe you've heard of some of its members. And in fact, if you're a true Hergoof fan, I imagine you have because we've mentioned at least one of these women before. Okay, Ready? let's see if I can figure out okay. who. Barbara and Beverly Smith, they're twins. Okay. Demita Frazier, Cheryl Clark, Akasha Hull, Margot Akasawa Ray, Shirlane McRae, and Audrey Lord. Do you recognize any of those names? Well, I recognize Audrey Lord. Yeah, that's a pretty pop. That's a pretty popular one. So yeah, we've talked about Audrey okay. Lord on the show before. We have, because Audrey Lord is my hero. I love her. <laughs> so we've talked about her before. But some of you may recognize those names separately because they are leaders 
many of them in the modern day black feminist movement and Mm -hmm. intersectional feminist movement. This small but incredibly mighty organization was founded in Boston, Massachusetts, which is obviously known for its breeding ground of racial equality and progressiveness. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that's for the, those of you not city right, motto. <laughs> right, for those of you not getting the sarcasm and why Jared and I are laughing, um, Boston is famously full of <laughs> Irish and Italian Catholics who look like myself and are egregiously racist. And it's still very segregated due to racially discriminatory mortgage lending practices and school segregation mm-hmm. dating back to the 50s. So now you're all caught up on that mm-hmm. one specific joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like Boston is interesting. Mm. So End sidebar. We can get back to the story. Okay. (laughs) The women of the collective noticed this about Boston, but largely about all places in America and all the budding movements that came out of them. They weren't intersectional, basically. They did not acknowledge the individual and compounded challenges that Black, Chicana, queer, and low-income women faced. Feminist movements were split up into segments of rich white feminism and rich white lesbian feminism, and nowhere amongst those movements did the women of the Combahee River Collective feel represented or trusting uh, Mm -hmm. that people would kind of be willing to move forward their platforms. So modeling a lot actually from the Third World Women's Alliance practice, the collective was born in 1974. Kianga Yamata Taylor in the New York Times writes, quote, their point was a simple one. You cannot expect people to join your movement by telling them to put their particular issues on hold for the sake of some ill-defined unity at a later date. Solidarity was the bridge by which different groups of people could connect on the basis of mutual understanding, respect, and the old socialist edict that an injury to one was an injury to all, unquote. So that was sort of their mission, and that's why they're known as a collective, because it truly is grounded in this kind of collective action. So Barbara Smith, which was basically the leader of the group, chose to name the group after a military campaign during the Civil War, which was led by Harriet Tubman that freed over 700 enslaved people on the Combahee River in South Carolina. So again, that's where the name change comes in. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if people are in South Carolina and you say Combahee, they probably aren't going to know what you're talking about. But because there's just letters missing. It's like Combahee. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're just not going (laughs) to, they're just different. So Barbara Smith has said of this name, quote, my perspective, and I think it was shared, was let's not name ourselves after a person. Let's name ourselves after an action, a political action. And that's what we did. And not only a political action, but a political action for liberation, unquote. So in 1977, the group published the Combahee River Collective Statement, which was separated into the following sections. The Genesis of Contemporary Black Feminism, what we believe, problems in organizing Black feminists, and Black feminist issues and projects. So rather than using this statement, which is pretty long, but I recommend anyone checking it out if they're interested, rather than using the statement to tear down all of the faults of the feminist and civil rights movements that they were trying to move away from, the statement was hopeful and emphasized the political and social possibilities that a true coalition founded in solidarity and collective struggle could achieve. So here is the CRC's central claim in the statement. Okay, this is a little bit of a long quote, but bear with me. 
Okay. Quote, we realize that the liberation of all oppressed peoples necessitates the destruction of the political economic systems of capitalism and imperialism as well as patriarchy. We are socialists because we believe that work must be organized for the collective benefit of those who do the work and create the products and not for the profit of the bosses. Material resources must be equally distributed among those who create these resources. We are not convinced, however, that a socialist revolution that is not also a feminist and anti-racist revolution will guarantee our liberation. In 1977, the statement meant to the members that, quote, as black feminists and lesbians, we recognize that we have a very different revolutionary task to perform and that we are prepared for the lifetime of work and struggle that awaits, unquote. Though the collective formally disbanded in 1980, each of the members certainly continued that mission until that day, many of them participating in black feminist movements as individuals. Mm -hmm. Another way they were different and groundbreaking from the multitude of movements in the 70s was to acknowledge their own queerness and then go on to say that they oppose homophobia. And this may not seem so groundbreaking, but for the time, and honestly still in present day, it can be said that homophobia still exists within and amongst the queer community. Mm -hmm. So Barbara Smith, in an interview with Marion Jones, said, quote, If you go back and look at historical statements about the coming together of race and gender, you won't see anything about lesbians and homophobia. It wasn't allowed, and it couldn't have happened until after Stonewall, unquote. So these women were essentially saying and putting out there into the world that being a lesbian does not make me immune to being discriminatory or spiteful towards gay men, bisexual people, trans people, or other lesbians who have a different sense or embodiment of their own queerness, which that piece is revolutionary to directly acknowledge that and publicly acknowledge that. Which is something I think that a lot of queer people even today have trouble recognizing mm -hmm. and accepting. Like white cis queer men can be some of the most spiteful mean people and they're like well i'm i'm gay so it doesn't matter and it's like well no mm. just because you are like one you have one identifier that is in a minority right. doesn't mean that you are exempt from being racist or misogynistic like you can still sure. be all of these things and so i think it's really important like they're recognizing it all the way back then like that's something that we need to bring back we need to bring the awareness and the recognition back into our own culture, society, right. movements, etc. Right, exactly. I think that's an important point. And we definitely still see it today. And I think there are conversations around that, like within, especially when people talk about specifically the LGBTQ plus community, that that grouping, that umbrella term encompasses a lot of different mm -hmm. identities um, and expressions and things of that nature. And not all of them exist harmoniously, right? So right. like we see things like bi erasure or transphobia amongst those that are gay or lesbian. So like it, mm -hmm. it definitely still exists that like the umbrella term does not necessarily mean just as the women were saying that you are all collectively engaged in the same struggle. Right. Right. And we certainly see that even today. And it kind of makes me a little upset to see these patterns repeating themselves mm -hmm. that this group was created because white feminist movements did not recognize the struggle of black women or trans women or lesbians. And that we see the same thing today when we go back to ideas about bodily autonomy, mm -hmm. you know, those are the same core issues. And of course, 
abortion and trans rights are different and the struggles are different, but the core issues are the same. And Mm -hmm. we can recognize that and fight alongside one another rather than being Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to fight for myself. And also I don't want to be around trans people. Right. And I think that's also an issue is our country is so individualistic. It's like, well, if I'm not like, if it's not about me or if I'm not getting what I need, then I'm not going to fight for someone else. But, and especially in, light of all the anti-semitism that's been happening mm-hmm. in this fucking country yeah i saw a post going around that was like we we like all of this is a collective fight we have to be fighting for equal rights and we have to be fighting right. for black people and we have to be fighting for trans people and we have to we we can't just be fighting against one right. thing and being like this is our one war that we're waging like it's yeah. all intertwined and we all have to be fighting for all of these certain things mm-hmm. if we're gonna win Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen the same things. And it's important to pay attention to, right? Like the things that you choose to care about, evaluate where that's coming from and how that's connected to other issues. And that even though they may not directly relate to you, like a lot of people are sharing, like you said, about anti-Semitism or what's going on, the revolution in Iran, Mm -hmm. Palestinians, like things that are not existing in our country are still reflective of our values here. Absolutely. Um, So I think that that's, that is still a revolutionary concept, what they were doing. So collective member Margot Akasawa Ray said of the CRC in her 2021 interview with Marion Jones, quote, so many of us are marginalized. I'm mixed race and I came out as a lesbian. There was no one place where I fit in. And activism helped to create a place where people like me could fit in. Misfits. That was the project, unquote. And so that is sort of a brief summary of what the Combahee River Collective was trying to achieve. I think they were very successful in some ways. And again, those all of those women still continued the fight to this day and really advanced what we think about intersectionality and mm-hmm. feminism and and the place of all of those people that were mentioned in all of those groups as being included in these movements. Right. And so question for you, was there, like, what were the concrete things they were doing? Were they distributing information? Were they going to marches? Were they, like, how were they getting involved specifically? That's such a great question. So they originally released this statement. So at first it was a lot of, like, analysis of coming from a lot of them were Black Panthers or involved in other civil rights movements. A lot of them were involved in feminist movements. So when they originally were created, they first were like, what were the things that we felt excluded from in those original movements? And so a lot of it was like taking note of what was missing. Mm -hmm. And then once they established that, they released the collective statement, which was sort of their findings almost, if you consider it that way. And then they did. They attended rallies and they really tried to help people gain I think more of a consciousness since it wasn't like itself an organizing group like they weren't continuing on to say this is our specific but I think it was developing what we think about black feminism specifically Mm -hmm. and creating a consciousness around why something like that is necessary and also making sure it wasn't divisive and they say that it wasn't meant to be divisive towards the other groups that were doing the work as well. But Mm -hmm. it was meant to say, 
we do not feel included in your work. And it was helping other people with that awareness raising. And then they each individually, like I said, went out to write books or become professors Mm -hmm. or teach more about this sort of theory of feminism and what it really means for black women. Right. It wasn't like they released a statement. They were like, and, you know, we're done. We did our work. (laughs) But you're right. It does. the The collective statement is incredibly important because it basically lays a foundation or lays the basis of what are we feeling what are we experiencing and how where do we go from here so even just having that out in the world having that information of being Mm -hmm. like firsthand here's what we're going through and this is what we need to do is important and like powerful and Mm -hmm. like enough of an action to then create other things like having a domino effect almost right so yeah I I don't want to I don't want to sound like I was trying to be like, what did no, they no, do? No. <laughs> you know, like what were they physically doing? But it, that is still so important to be like, these are our problems. Yeah. Hear our voices, amplify our voices, and let's totally. go forward from here. And they were marching alongside those other movements as well, like right. as individuals. But yeah, I think that their main purpose was to really bring attention to the sp- very specific experiences of the women within the collective and also you know i think it really reminds me of the episode the coming out episode that you so wonderfully told us about jared um about like inviting people into the movement rather Mm -hmm. than creating an entirely separate thing it was saying instead of us begging for your priority and attention and welcoming nature in your groups right exactly rather than begging to say you need to care about this issue and care about me and my humanity they said if you want to be a feminist that really cares about all women Mm -hmm. you can follow these principles Mm -hmm. and it's not our responsibility to come into your spaces and beg you to follow the principles it is now up to you we've given them to you we have given you the tools it is now up to you to decide are you going to support only white straight feminism Mm -hmm. or are you Mm -hmm. really going to make the effort to say i support all women and all of their identities Right, because you cannot make someone care about something they're not going to. Right. So it's more of like wasting effort and wasting your time trying to be like, care about us, care about our problems. But it's like, if you truly want to be an activist and you truly want to be in this movement, here's what you can do. Now go do it. Which is great because it's not like holding someone's hand. It's kind of holding Mm -hmm. people accountable. Like if you truly are what you say you are, then take this and go forward with it. That's exactly what it is. It's it's being accountable for your you are choosing to say I'm a feminist, but now explain what that means right. and and explain how you really implement these practices into your life. Right. And so yeah, I think that 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 was really their mission and and they participated in things along the way, but I think that that their mission was to really bring this the the consciousness up Mm-hmm. into into these issues mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. which they did at such an important time because people were saying well we have these feminist movements now and we have the civil rights movement so like wh- what else do you want you know right, <laughs> it was right, kind of like right. that which we see again and it was like yeah we're creating the space and here's why we need the space right right coming from specifically 
our point of views. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's the Combahee, Cumbi, Combahee River Collective. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think there's a lot that we can take away from their actions. There's a lot that we can do. I think just taking a look at, like you were saying before, what we are getting behind, what we are mm-hmm. supporting, how that relates to other causes, and what can we do to take initiative and, mm-hmm. you know, make change ourselves rather than waiting for someone else to hold our hands and say, this is what you need to do. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, I can take I can take my Jessica Day, like, glasses off now. Yeah, well, thank you, Professor. You're welcome. I- learned so much from this i have a lot of notes i hope i passed the class and i hope my gpa remains where it is exactly a 6.0 wow i know you did it the highest gpa ever (laughs) and all because of this course yeah thanks for listening (laughs) well thanks for the story Thanks for tuning in to episode 36 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about a Black feminist collective. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes bringing your phone into the bathroom a little bit more fun. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. And to see photos from this week's episode, make sure to check out our Instagram at Historically Really. Also, while you're there, make sure to send us your personal stories, or you can email them to us at historicallyreallygoodfriends at gmail.com. We hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.